You're listening to the first ever episode of a podcast of spurious morality. Welcome to a podcast of spurious morality. I'm Johnston and I'm here today with Jake. Hello. Connor. Hello. And Tim. Hello. And it's it's been a busy old week for Doctor Who. We've chosen like a bit of a crazy week to come in on. Um, we've actually got more new Doctor Who than we expected this week. Uh, we've had Legend of the Sea Devils, which we're going to talk about quite a bit, I think. Uh, and we've also had uh, Doctor Who Redacted. So we've got that to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some other reptile-based Silurian Sea Devil things as well. Uh, and a couple of other things. Quite exciting. Um, I will just jump in straight away with a spoiler warning. We are going to be talking about Legend of the Sea Devils and Redacted. Uh, we're also going to talk about Big Finish-related stuff. Uh, so the Silurian candidate um, and that kind of thing. So you have been warned, spoilers be here. So first of off, first off, um, the Sea Devils have returned. It's been rumoured for years, hasn't it? Uh, and we've had Legend of the Sea Devils, which was broadcast on Easter Sunday. Um, and I think we've all watched it now. So let's start with Jake. What did you think? Um, I've been wanting to see Devils back for an incredibly long time, ever since I was small. I've always had a fascination with the Sea Devils. I, I love the original episode they're from, so it's safe to say I was very looking forward to them coming back. They were great in this episode, that's to be said. But do I think this was the sort of story I wanted for them to come back to? No. In the end, I found it lacklustre for me. I really wanted to enjoy it, and I just really struggled to. But the Sea Devils themselves, I thought were perfection. I thought they were great. With some sort of issues, that I know the pandemic affected, like, the CGI face. I didn't think in, like, when it's light, like, when it's outside, I don't think it worked at all, to be honest. But when they were, like, in the ship, all gloomy, I think it worked perfectly. But the, the story just seemed so rushed to me. It could have done for another 10 minutes, if I'm honest. It, it, it Nothing really joined together for me. For me personally, I know a lot of people really liked it, but it just didn't click with me at all. And that's just basically what I feel about it at this moment in time. And I'll add on to it a bit more when like everyone else has given their opening thoughts on it. Yeah, I can understand it. Um... It was kind of an interesting story to go with. In some ways, sea devils and pirates. It's quite obvious. Hmm. Um, interesting point about sort of the murkiness. They look better underground, dimly lit. And it's not the first time that lighting and a sea devil story's kind of been mentioned together, is it? Um, the big complaint about Warriors of the Deep is it's supposed to be this underground, murky sea base. And actually, you've got a lot of light, like early 1980s, turn them all up lighting. Uh, so yeah, interesting point. Uh, Connor, let's hear what you thought about it. Well, I I, uh, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun and a lot of, or in the way that an awful lot of uh, this era's Doctor Who can be, where it's not something that needs an awful lot of thought, but something you can watch down and it's just a nice, light, adventurous Doctor Who that you can enjoy for an hour it uh, you know you don't need to think very hard about it you don't need to devote 
you know, days to doing a marathon and just, you know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of background homework needed to watch it, I guess. Um, I think it's possibly the, one of the ones that they've made under COVID restrictions and the same show a bit more, I think, than the likes of Flux or Eve of the Daleks. I think, you know, as Jake mentioned, the CGI faces on the Sea Devils don't look 100%. They're good, but they're not, like, you can see that they're not quite right. Um, and I think there was, I could, I think some of the editing maybe didn't do the story justice, but overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's interesting you should mention the editing because the sort of one new who episode that's always stood out to me is the editing just being a bit off has always been uh, Curse of the Black Spot, which was the last pirate episode they did. Oh, okay. Are Doctor Who pirate episodes cursed? That's <laughs> that's a fair question, um, but I, I I picked up on something that you mentioned there as well. Is it's it's actually quite nice to have an episode that you go into, you watch for forty five minutes, and you leave it at the end. It was no big storyline. There was nothing that you needed to catch up on. No homework, as you said. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, that's quite a good thing. Uh, and obviously with Jody, we've not had that sort of thing for quite a while. We've had an awful lot of um, storyline heavy stuff. We've had Flux, which was all one big story. Eve of the Daleks was effectively a... Um, it was a sequel, wasn't it? It was a coda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it follows on from it. Um, I think it's quite nice that actually right before the end of Jodie's era now, we've just got this one episode where you can go in, you can watch it, and that's that. TARDIS lands, they face the bad guy, they win, and that's it. That's your episode. Yeah. So I, I did quite enjoy that. I quite enjoyed that Jodie just got one last normal, non-storyline heavy, not for the Daleks or Cybermen or the Master episode. And I think that's that's sort of quite a good thing. Yeah, it harks back, I think, to Series 11 in a lot of ways. Or Series, yeah, yeah no, Series 11, yeah. Yeah, it, it was actually quite a Series 11 or maybe even early Series 12 type episode. Um, but a bit, was was Praxius the last sort of standalone episode that we had? I think um, Can You Hear Me Kim, was yes. the next one after it. And Yes, you're right. So there's Can a You little Hear bit Me was... The... No, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, can you hear me? Yes, it was. It was sort of basically standalone. Um, but carry on. What were you saying? No, I was just going to say there was a tiny, tiny bit of timeless child stuff in it, but it was it was a couple of seconds, I think. Oh yeah, I think I that mean, was probably the last one. I can deal with a couple of lines about timeless child, but yeah, it was still, for all intents and purposes, a standalone episode, and it feels like an awfully long time ago. It really does. Um. So, Tim, uh, what did you think? Legend of the Sea Devils. So, first of all, your discussion about the Curse of the Black Spot and editing just reminds me that that episode managed to lose a whole character during the sequence of events, which I just find very amusing. Yep, he just vanished. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so in Legend of the Sea Devils, there's this one sequence where the Sea Devil ship is getting away, and the Doctor and the others are like, "We have to get under the ship." And then there's a white of the of the ship and the doctor saying Geronimo, and then they're on the ship with zero explanation. And that for me really sums up the vibe of the episodes. That's these obviously something went wrong in the editing, which made a mess. But for me, that just makes it sort of even more fun in a way. It's like Orphan Fifty Five, like everyone here and hates it because it's such a mess. But for me, that's what makes it so fun. And it, it is yeah, one of the fun are, things are, about Doctor Who, of... isn't it? Uh, that kind yeah. of that kind of makeshift, rough around the edges feel. Yeah. Like if this was all hundred percent serious, then it would be a lot less fun. Like I, I don't want Doctor Who to be like that. I want it to be silly. I want it to have dodgy effects and Slovene. <laughs> Slovene, not exactly the worst monster ever. Um, no, worst monster ever might actually be the Merker, which I'm gutted didn't get a name check. Mm. I really am. Yeah, that um, Chibnall must go. Like, I, I could forgive everything else, but but snubbing the Merker—that is 
unforgivable yeah. in my view. Totally yeah, unforgivable. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, this big underwater sea monster, and they didn't call it the Merka. And Jody didn't even try to cry up it once. I know. <laughs> Absolutely unforgivable. Okay. Um, but all in all, it was a fun episode. It was, um, yeah. like I said before, it was really nice for Jodie to have one last proper episode, just mm. normal TARDIS lands. There's a monster there to fight. They do so. Mm. They all live happily ever after, apart from those that don't. Yeah, and that was, that was a good thing. That was a decent, like, the, some of the visual effects and the set design and the costumes are all very good. And like, I did like the sequence where the under the sea with the TARDIS open. That's a that was gorgeous. that was pretty well done. Yeah, I think my main gripe with the episode is how the sea devils are portrayed. Because obviously the main thing about the sea devils and the Silurians is that they ruled the planet before humanity, and there's a lot of interesting things that can you can do with that concept. But this story just sort of like briefly touches on that, but then ignores it in favour of just having them be generic Doctor Who monsters, which I thought was a bit disappointing. Yeah, sort of monster of the week type thing, which yeah, the, the Sea Devils are more than that. They've got a very interesting mm. backstory, but at the same time, it's a backstory we're very familiar with now because it's been done through the Silurians as well. Um mm sort of well, post-2005. I mean, I suppose we haven't had a proper Silurian story <laughs> since 2010, have we? Um, yeah. Maybe there was room. Maybe there was room to just sort of talk about how they were here first a little bit more um, yeah. and sort of consider the implications of that. So, yeah. moving on, um, obviously, Sea Devils, it's the first time they've been on screen since 1984, Warriors of the Deep. Um, what monsters that haven't returned for quite a long time should return? Well, the thing is, like most of the all the classic monsters that people usually bring up have come back now because the Sea Devil that was really the last one. But the thing is, it's been so long since it's been almost it's been as long since the beginning of New Who as passed between Classic Who and New Who, so I think for RTD2 the obvious answer is to bring back the, the Slovene. Agreed. Yeah, bring him back as a, yeah, classic yeah, monster like returning. That. The that'd be great. The, uh, that'd be thrilling. Bring, the bring back were, Badland. I think. Slovene were New Who's first proper almost like a mission statement. It's like, look, we've still got the monsters mm. and the corridors and they don't look perfect, but it is Doctor Who. The girl Can I add something and... quickly? Yeah, go ahead. With the new visual effects companies that do Doctor Who now, can you imagine how amazing the unmasking would look now? With like a proper, like, realised mm. detailed Slovene emerging from someone's skin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's mm. there's potential for it to look really good, but then again, we have just discussed how the visuals weren't perfect on Legend of the Sea Devils. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do wonder if Doctor Who will always be too ambitious. Like anything that it ever wants to achieve is always going to be just a little bit beyond. I don't can. know that that's going to hold so true now in the era of Bad Wolf. Uh, because true. it's not being made on a shoestring BBC budget anymore. It's being made by Bad Wolf. And they've hopefully got a lot more to bring to the table. Than, um, and of course, technology has moved on an awful lot since 2005. It really, really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd love to see Doctor Who start to use the, you know, the LED screens that Star Wars and Marvel have started to use. I think even Star Trek. Oh yeah, imagine those now. I'd love to see those sort of sets in Doctor. Can you imagine Gallifrey with that. Yeah, it, it would have yeah, to be that would be de destroyed yeah, for needs... the seventeenth time first. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, when this yeah. does happen, if Russell T Davies does get like a new visual effects company, I really hope he keeps Ray Holman. Because his costumes have been one of the highlights of this era, 
like the Chief Sea Devil, for example, how gorgeous was that costume? That was just superb for something like that. And I hope he stays on and we see more of him under like a team with RTD again. Because I reckon they can catch some great stuff together. I kind of missed the fishing nets, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if we still had sea devils in nets. Well, um, yeah, that, that was the only thing when I when I first saw pictures. I was like, oh, where's a net gone? You could at least have, like, a net cloak or something, a swish in the back, getting caught on everything. I'm pretty sure they still had the like the crisscross design on their on 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 there somewhere. I think I remember seeing it. They did have a bit of net too, especially on the leader one on on his belt that covers up sort of his upper leg area. So he had nods to it. And I, I suppose, suppose the sword were... was meant to be a nod to the warriors of the deep, samurai esque of the nature of those designs as well. So they're bits and bobs. Exactly. Yeah. I suppose. I, I agree. It's, I actually think that the design was probably a little closer to Warriors of the Deep than it was to the Sea Devils. Mm. Certainly, the costume, anyway. Uh, the guns are an interesting thing to bring up. Mm. I want the guns that are quite obviously U bends with a disc on the end brought back. Where were yeah, they? Yeah, chasing Jody around with a CDs attached Ooh. to the end of the gun. That'd have been great. <laughs> <laughs> the swords have just reminded me of something else. I just forgot about the episode of Unspinched where. So we have that one scene where the Chinese, one, one of these, he kills the Sea Devil leader and the doctor's like, no, you mustn't do that. And then a few scenes later, we get Dan just yeah, doing six slicing of a bunch of Sea Devils. Just, like, yeah. they're just, it's just... That's what I yeah. mean about okay. the script earlier being a bit <laughs> rough, though. Because some bits like that, that didn't really add up, to be honest. But I hope. Evil Dan. Um, well, this is actually going to segue quite nicely into our next point of discussion, which is the trailer for the Centennial. Um, oh, God. Perfection. Oh but I'm going to bring us straight to uh, the whole killing is bad, but a companion does it. We've got Ace and Tegan with <laughs> guns just like going oh, for Oh, they're it. allowed, though. Yeah, they are. They have little violence. Think about how Tegan went. Oh. Yeah, so oh, it's, oh, so what if it's like a battle-hardened Tegan that's been really bitter imagine. since Resurrection? <laughs> yeah, but just think about how she went, and it was it's it, you know it stopped being fun, Doctor, and then her literally her next appearance, forty years down the line, is blasting the living daylights out of something. She's a bounty hunter now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That would be cool. I want to I want to pick up something about that with Tegan coming back quickly actually because I should have brought it up when um John T mentioned the classic monsters I really wanted them to, to if they did it would have brought Tegan back to have the Mara involved as well to have like a big classic monster come back and not Daleks or something so I suppose now that she's going to be in this new special the hopes of that have sort of gone now if that makes sense. I mean, big big finish have done it. Uh, the cradle of the snake, which was part of the uh, old Anissa sort of strand they did, uh, and it's it. I think it's got. It's been a long time since I heard it, but I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good. It was a good third Mara story. Did something a little bit different, but at the same time, it was, you know, it was a very solid and obvious Mara story to do. Um. So there's there's some listening homework if you've never heard it before. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be Jodie's last episode though. A surprise appearance by the Mara, and that's what does her in. It's already such a packed episode though. <laughs> yes. I think. Yes. Um, I hope that the, the you know when we actually get to see the episode then that it's the Cybermen they're firing at. Uh, because mm-hmm. you can then sort of rationalise that, that what makes Tegan pick up a gun the things that did for Adric, yeah, <laughs> and you can sort of you can sort of you know tie it back to that. I suppose they the they are Tegan's yeah. big bad, aren't they? And when you think about it, actually, um, the Cybermen were the only on TV anyway. Uh, the Cybermen were the only sort of baddies that 
Ace got a little bit uncomfortable around. She actually says, actually, I'm a bit scared of these guys at one point during Silver Nemesis. Um, so, yeah, Cybermen would be a good sort of foil for both of them. Yeah, and it's when you look at the three villains that we know about for this story, it's the Master who killed her aunt, the Cybermen yes. who killed Adric, and the Daleks who caused her to stop travelling with the Doctor. You know, it does fit. But I really hope it does get mentioned and that stuff does, you know, get used in some way. There's definitely uh, potential there for it, absolutely. Um, or are we just letting our uh, our classic Who fan cells run away with us? <laughs> it, it, it's too easy. It's far too easy to want too much from this. Like, we've had this trailer and it's been... Wow, Tegan after 40 years, Ace after 30 years is brilliant. But is it, you know, it's it's not going to be the longest episode ever. Is which is 80 minutes, do we think, the centennial? Um, there's a lot to fit in there already, and I can't imagine that sort of the continuation of Ace and Tegan's stories are perhaps going to be the priority, especially considering that Big Finish has... It's done both of them. It's done Tegan a long time after she left the Doctor. It's done Ace a long time after she left the Doctor. Yeah, see, my main concern is this, because it's... So the the trailer, like, every enemy companion in the kitchen sink, it sort of feels like Journey's End, where, like, all the former companions, all, all the past companions from, like, the past four series are teamed up but thing is with that episode we we've or we've all the the audience they will see these we all know who these people are because like sarah jane she, we we met her in school reunion but with this episode it's like two characters who haven't been on tv in like decades so i'm just worried about that you're going to introduce them in a way that's is not clunky really yeah and um like I say, there's a lot of big finish continuity there as well. And I know that this is a bit of a concern, actually. You know, is is their appearance in this special kind of throwing away an awful lot of expanded universe stuff? People are always like, what if this contradicts Ace's ending? And I'm like, which one? <laughs> yes. It's like, whatever Chibnall does, he's going to contradict some part of her story or other so honestly just do just do what he wants and let Todd Swicky deal with it yeah there's no there's no easy way around it I don't think and I'd rather that he told you know I'd rather he forged something new rather than tried to fit awkwardly around 30 odd years of extended universe stuff yeah, I'm I'm yeah, quite like, happy to just go. Ah, time war changed everything. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. Same. Time war or the crack. Was... The crack. It's it's like if the time war didn't do it, the crack did. Mm. And and there you go. Everything else happened, but this also happened too. Just doing it so like the cracks just cracks me up. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Didn't didn't even try for that. Uh, I might, I might save that and sort of replay it on every episode because the cracks going to be <laughs> mentioned on every episode. Let's face it. Uh, whenever a little continuity thing pops up, it's the crack. It's the, it's the crack in Amy's bedroom wall. It it, it just fixes uh, everything. To be fair, I think I think in a show about time travel, you do have to accept that the timelines are going to get changed. Yeah, and we've seen Big Finish start to do this. I think with the meddling monk. And a lot of his appearances, you know, um, where references are made to stories and then they're contradicted in the next one that he pops up in. And I quite like that. And it makes sense for him, you know, for a character who constantly re rewrites his own timeline. But um, I think you do have to accept that, you know, the Doctor's a time traveller. It's all right if it contradicts something because you can just explain it as the timeline being rewritten somewhere in some way. Um, you know, in some off-screen adventure or just by the Doctor being you know, going to the past changing something and then the future just doesn't quite happen in the same way as it once did I quite like yeah. the explanation that the monk has just messed with 
their own timeline so much that it has to be both before and after the time war and it's almost yeah. like that timeline is so messed up that either of the two sort of current monk regenerations big finish have got going um they can just pop up anywhere and it doesn't matter because they've obviously just messed up the time war so badly and messed up their own timeline so badly that it doesn't matter the monks turned up they're going to cause a bit of trouble let's just have a fun adventure yeah um and it's it's actually quite clever that they've they've brought it to the point where the character kind of transcends canon and continuity and all of these things that fans hold so dear it doesn't matter for the monk that's the nature of the character yeah but mm-hmm. it means as well that you have you can have rufus hound or or Gemma whelan uh, popping up in any sort of story you, know, you can have them you know trying to get revenge on the first doctor or you can have them running around with missy after the time war you know and again you're not bound by the continuity you're not having to come up with some explanation to satisfy you know a story that was written you know in a novel 20 years ago you can just do whatever you want with them yeah absolutely um so let's move on and let's talk about the other new bit of doctor who that we've had from the bbc this week which is redacted mm-hmm. uh new podcast series we've all heard the first episode um jake what did you think well i was a bit worried going into it because being gay myself, so I, I didn't want it to go down the route of yeah, sort of LGBT <laughs> stuff. And I, I was a bit worried in the first sort of five minutes of it that it was going to go down that route. But I have to say, I was very surprised how much I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice way to kill 20 minutes. The bits about how they're connecting other Doctor Who stories to it. And all these characters are introduced. I liked all these new characters. And I thought they were good representations of LGBT. And it just shows if they can do it on something like this, why can't the actual BBC do it for Doctor Who on TV, if you get what I mean? Because I think especially the trans character in this landed very well for me. And they seem very real as like a character. Um, yeah, props to that. Very good. And I look forward to where it's going. It did leave me intrigued. So well done, BBC Sounds. Excellent stuff. Um, Connor, what did you think of it? Um, I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm quite so... I don't think I was quite so keen on that first episode as, as other people have been. But I really did enjoy it. And it's something that I've wanted them to do for a really long time. Um, I said, you know, whenever lockdown first struck... Um, back in 2020 and we had um you know big finish started producing stuff in lockdown sent microphones out to people i did think at that time you know if series 13 is going to be a wee bit delayed why not you know do something with jody whittaker and manda gill and bridge the gap on radio um because um you know dr dr who feels you know, despite having a massive audio side, it, it feels like it has sort of lagged behind, you know, some of the other big franchises. You know, we have, there's a Batman podcast. There is, there's three or four Marvel podcasts. It feels like something Doctor Who should have done a long time ago. And I'm glad that it's happening now. I think it feels a bit more like a spin-off than a Doctor Who podcast. Because you do have these three characters sitting who we haven't met before. Um... I thought Jody was great in the parts that we heard from her, um, and I like, I do like the idea that it might tie into some of the old Doctor Who stories, um, like we we go to we go back to Partners in Crime in this one, and there's a mention of the Yeti one that got deleted, like they had done an they had done an episode on the Yeti and it it has gone missing. I really liked that. That was quite funny. But I'm intrigued to see how it will play out. I think it's the next 10 weeks it's going right over. And I'm intrigued to see how it goes on and what it turns into. Yeah, it's. I agree with you. It's, it's very intriguing. It's an interesting way of looking at, um, I suppose, the last 15 years worth of Doctor Who, which is what it's gone into so far. 
Um, and it's nicely different. It's something I'm amazed Big Finish haven't done. Is you know the podcast format is just it's ideal for them, um, and it would have been an interesting bit of experimentation. But the BBC have got there, and it seems to be going in a good direction. Uh, Tim, what do you want to add? Yeah, so I and I'd like to. It's, it's I think my main issue with it was that some of the dialogue was very a bit a bit how do you do fellow kids but other than that I thought it's rolled along quite nicely and the cliffhanger probably took me out and in a good way and yeah I think the first episode was mainly setting the rest up so I don't have a lot to say about that but I'm really looking forward to where it goes next yeah I think it, it, it was a good setup I think it was good to sort of revisit Partners in Crime very well known episode mm. um, yeah so yeah, it's it's a nice bit of setup. It's introducing you to the three leads. It's you've got a hint of the doctor being in there. You've got um, is Penny? Is it Penny, the journalist character from Partners in Crime? Yeah. Yep. Who was sort of originally conceived as a companion, sort of. Was it the same mm. actress? No, I think they recast her. Oh, that's fair, that's fair enough. Oh, we'll have to save this one for the recasts episode that we do in the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was. I thought it was a nice start. I thought it was. It set up a mystery. It was interesting. It's a very, very unique way to approach Doctor Who, and it's more Doctor Who. It's extra Doctor Who at the end of the day, and I'm, I'm never going to complain about that. Yeah, I did sort of realise last night that. Uh, because it was actually my mum asked me if there was going to be another, you know, this was this was uh, Legends of the Sea Devils, at the start of a new series, and I said no, it wasn't. It was just a special. But it suddenly twigged in my head like, this is the new series. You know, we are going to get an episode a week over the next ten weeks. It is like getting a new mm-hmm. series just to bridge the gap between now and the centenary. And I'm glad yeah. it exists. I'm glad we've got it. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. I'd, I hope it doesn't stay on sounds forever. I would like it, you know, to come out on physical media or, you know, to download and keep at some mm. point. That it's not just sitting on sounds and could be taken down at any minute. Yeah. Release oh, the vinyl. I'd buy it. I'd <laughs> buy it if it came out on CD. And I really hope that this encourages Jody to want to do Big Finish. So, mm. I would like oh. to see how Big Finish would handle her. Considering I'm not the biggest fan of Jodie on TV, so but I would love her to do Big Finish because I would buy them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think she'd be great at, at Big Finish. I think yeah. actually, um, Big Finish could do an awful lot with the character that maybe we haven't seen. Yeah. On TV. Yeah, there's loads of gaps for it as well. I do wonder how they're going to respond to redacted existing because it's the first. Like, I know BBC Audio have done loads of, you know, short story audio books and, and you know, uh, they've had the, there was like a war series a few years ago with third Doctor story, a sixth Doctor story and whatnot. But those never seem to break mm-hmm. through in the same way as Redacted has. I do right. wonder how Big Finish are going to react to mm-hmm. a competitor Doctor Who series, you know, on, on audio. Maybe it is just kind of, priming Jodie for Big Finish there. I mean, we have to remember that before Tom Baker went to Big Finish, he did three series of Ness Cottage. So, you know, Are we BBC... allowed to talk about rumours here? Ooh, let's let's have a rumour. I like a good rumour. Because I, a rumor. I've, heard the, I've heard in the grapevine that both um, Jodie and Mandip have been approached by Big Finish... And I know for a fact that Kevin McNally has, because he said it in front of me at a convention. So that they're definitely working on something in the background. I mean, big finisher all over it. They're always going to be all over it. Anyone that's ever been a regular in Doctor Who has an open invite, effectively. Let's face it. Uh, which, you know, I'm all for. I really do want to hear more from these characters. So, and it yeah, does help when the creative director of Big Finish is literally on set doing the Dalek voices with them. Mm-hmm. Yep, I can imagine that's probably quite helpful. But yeah, it's it's excellent to see just sort of how many sort of 
former regulars they have at Big Finish. I really hope that Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi sort of decide they want to do it at some point. I'm never going to be one of those people that go, they've got to do it now. Why, why aren't they doing it? But um, as soon, if and when they do decide to do it, I'm absolutely going to be there uh, ready to listen. When when Big Finish gets Capaldi, Paul Mackey, Matt Dukes and Michelle Gomez together for a box, I just inject that right into my veins. Just Yes, please. Absolutely. So, I'm really looking forward to the Bill Potts audio novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks fun. Yeah, that's um, it's a Dalek one, isn't it? Dalek story. Uh, oh, what a surprise! Mm. Shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, be positive. We love Daleks. <laughs> let, let's move on a wee bit um, <laughs> because we wanted to talk about, or especially Jake. This is you wanted to talk about uh, the Sea Devils, the original Sea Devils story. Oh, sea Devil, oh, I love it. Honestly. It is one of my go-to third Doctor stories. It's uh, for me, it, and I don't know if any of you agree. It's pinnacle seventies Doctor Who for me. Like the Doctor's there, the Master's there, an earthly threat cut like erupting from the. That's one thing I wish we had in Legend of the Sea Devils. I'm sorry, that ghost ship coming out the sky or wherever it came from doesn't really amount to the love that I have sea devils trudging out of the water and I wish that was how the main sea devil was introduced anyway, back to sea devils it has a great cast, I think the script by Malcolm Hulk is superb I absolutely love stuff by Malcolm Hulk and the Doctor and Joe's relationship is good in this story And but then again, Joe and the Doctor is probably my favourite Doctor companion relationship and I'll say it's the best it's just good stuff You've got humorous moments where poor Jo's bloody shivering and she's starving and the Doctor just eats sandwiches in, fr- uh, sandwiches in front of her. Then he does the same with the Master. You get a phenomenal um, piece of action with the sword fight between the Master and the Doctor. Fun fact, behind the scenes, Roger Delgado actually had a rather unpleasant car accident and had a horrible bruised chest. And yet, and when he when and blah, 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 in a scene where he falls off the table and winces, he's actually in agony because his chest is killing him. So it wasn't put on; that was actually him going, "Ow, that jolly well hurts." So we probably wasn't thinking that, but you know what I mean. But it's just a good story, and it, it doesn't feel like a six-parter either. And it uh, it's just good, and us, yeah, I think that's why I sort of. Um, a little bit disappointed with Legend of Sea Devils because it didn't live up to the Sea Devils stories that I love sort of thing. But yeah, that's my little Sea Devils review. 10 out of the, 10. The one thing that's <laughs> always kind of... It just feels like Unit is missing from the Sea Devils. It's oh like yeah, yeah, you've 100%. Got, you've got kind of Unit of the Week from the Navy and I get why they use the Navy because the Navy actually blew a lot of things up for the Doctor yeah. Who production team to just and make Terrence the Sea Dix Devils And Barry Letts really, want, really wanted a Navy story as well. Yeah. So that's why this story ended up the way it did because they was like to Malcolm Hulk, we want the Navy in and see, and Walter Silurians and there we got. I, and I, I just wish that I just wish that at least the Brigadier had turned up halfway through episode three. Brigadier's there. And Why haven't I had contact from Joe and the Doctor? Um, it's the only thing missing from it for me, but I agree with you. It's an incredibly strong story. Mm. Um, and the music's uh, good as well. I know a lot of people hate the music for this story, but I love it. The <laughs> random interviews. <laughs> Uh, I just wish we had that in Legend of the Sea Devils. We've, we've got our so new theme tune for the podcast. Oh, one thing I will point out about that Legend of the Sea Devils is, is what they've really been good at recently with like the Masters TCE noise. The Sea Devils made the same screaming noise when they got killed as they did in the Sea Devils. Yes, I spotted that. It was brilliant. I automatically just went, that's my favourite part of the story. I love it. Yeah, I did like hearing that. It was very good. I think, for me, with the Sea Devils, the original one, the military, sort of the the worship for the Navy gets a little bit too much. And I know know they've pretty much 
are responsible for making so much of it. But um, there's a fair bit of comedy as well in, in the, with the Master and Trencher. They quite like their wee relationship. It's a wee bit weird. It's a wee bit lighter and and it's it it does end with with the doctor committing the very same crime that he sulks with the brigadier over from the original silurians that he blows the their base up at the at the end which is something that i remember him giving the brigadier such a hard time over in season seven i think the brig being there would just perhaps have uh just added a bit more to it if mm. if they'd have had unit or at least the brigadier in the sea devils, it would have just given it a bit more of a, an oomph. The brig being able to turn around and say, "I told you so," as the master's escaping in a helicopter. Um, it, it's I mean the doctor does kind of lose in the sea devils, doesn't he? I suppose. Yeah. yeah. He has he has to wipe out the sea devils and the master escapes. Mm. Oh, another thing that I love about the sea devils. I'm sure most of us know who Stuart Fell is, the stuntman. You always yes. know what monster he's playing the big group shot because he's always the short one and he's always doing the front flips and back flips when something gets killed. And that little sea devil running the back doing back flips and front flips is a highlight of it. I love it. It doesn't really take away from the magic of it at all. Because it sort of works, how dramatic they all are, flipping and bouncing everywhere when they die. It's just, uh That's one thing I will give Legend of the Sea Devils. It had the Sea Devil magic, well, like, like that's that the original did when it comes to their action for me. There's another uh, reference you can point to then, because there's the bit in Legend where Judy, or well, the Doctor, because I'm I'm ninety percent sure it wasn't Judy, but during that big fight scene on the boat at the end. Uh, the doctor's standing up on the on the railing and does a front flip back onto the onto the deck. So there there's a there's a wee callback you can include for Legend of the Sea Devils. Indeed, indeed. So sea that whole sword fight in that episode was so I loved it. That's my favourite bit of the episode. It it, it it reminded me a lot of um oh what's the film called? Um At World's End, the third part of the Caribbean film, where Captain Jack is running around, not that one, the other one running around, getting chased by Davy Jones, and he's coming out of all these different places and surprising him. It reminded me of that a lot, which amused me. I enjoyed that too. And, of course, um, there's also Warriors of the Deep, which which I believe Tim wants to talk about a little bit. Yeah, that's just... I don't, I don't have as much to say about this as I thought I would because I did watch the episode, and it's... like Aside from like the marker, there's... It's not really a lot going for it, but there are some amusing bits on the behind-the-scenes documentary. There's one anecdote to Ian Levine, who is the continuity advisor. He checked over the original script and found, like, 25 or something original errors, and he, so he handed it off to Eric Sayward, and then when he came back, he found even more errors, and then Eric Sayward just, like, Oh my god, is this a show for fans or the general audience? And yeah, it's a very amusing anecdote you should check out. And there's a little about Ingrid Pitt's character who So the director originally cast the role with her in mind and originally changed the gender of the character in the scripts to accommodate for her, which was an mm. excellent choice because we got that one scene with the Merka. And there was another thing, which was, oh yes, John Nathan Turt, there's the one anecdote about how the effects department were tasked with creating the costume for the mug because the costumes department saw it and just went, nope, which I love. And there's one instance of John Nathan Turner came to visit the, the workshop or whatever, and he saw the marker and... He said, it's, it's wonderful. And so, John Nathan Turner was a fascinating individual, I think. Mm, read this <laughs> book. Yeah, I have read the book. It's incredible stuff. Shout out, sh- shout out to the author. His name escapes me at the moment. Yeah. I think but, uh, talking the... about Warriors of the Deep in relation to Legend of the Sea Devil is really interesting. 
because I think both stories could have been saved by minor um, scripts, like like effect changes. Like when I reviewed mm-hmm. it previously, something that was that came up was this story would have been so much better if you had flickering lights in the hallway, like dark mm-hmm. and dingy flickering lights with all the sea devils like trunging through it with the Silurians. The Silurians mm. look like they've had really bad Botox, but aside from that, <laughs> there's good. And the Sea Devils look like they're treading on pins. But it's just that's the sort of story that I'll happily watch. How silly it is because it is genuinely amusing, yeah. and the triads yeah, are good in yeah, it. Yep. And obviously the triads we'll talk about later, but yeah, they're good in it too. It, it's also yeah, episode very episode one cliffhanger. Where it's very ambitious. Doctor... It's almost like Doctor Who tries to do Die Hard three years before mm. Die Hard came out. Um, and, and it is, and I just think if they'd have got it right, which they really, really didn't for so many reasons, but if they'd have got it right, it would have just been Doctor Who does Die Hard a few years early in the same way that the Ark in Space is Doctor Who does Alien a few years early. Mm. It was doing The Matrix how many years early mm. as well? About 20? Yep. Something like that, yeah. Deadly Assassin, brilliant story. Mm. But with, um, with but with but with me, if it's got Silurians or Sea Devils in it, I'm gonna enjoy it, I'm gonna enjoy it till some some extent anyway. So it's it's all right. You know? Didn't well, they lose? Um, I think half the recording time because yeah. I think it was meant to be four weeks in studio. But there was a, there was snap a surprise election. election. Yeah. yeah, snap election, and they they lost two weeks to the election coverage. I mean, it, it's amazing yeah. that that story exists. To be perfectly honest, because of that, but yeah, yeah but funny screen cap of the narrator from thing. The first and biggest problem faced by the production team was presented to them by the conservative government. Which <laughs> isn't that a mood? Indeed. And the, and the episode production one... team then took revenge with the entirety of the Sylvester McCoy era. Yes. <laughs> So, um, and of course, I have to give a shout at the episode one cliffhanger where the doctor falls into like the water and turns him like, Oh no, he's drowned. Oh well, very funny, very in character. Face it, yeah. Tegan, he's drowned. And then the I love to just gassing everyone and kills them all. It's, oh, it's no, another sea devil about... story where the doctor loses because he has to kill everybody. I, I really want to see Jodie kill something. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they are, so they also talk in the doctor because in the bits where the doctor wasn't because they had to get the sequences of the doctor underwater, so they had to fill up this tank with water. And usually, what they would do is leave it for because the water was freezing cold. So what they should would have done was leave it for like two days to go to room temperature, but they forgot to do that. So they just had to do it on the day, and Peter Davison was just swimming through ice cold water. Honestly, classic Doctor Who is just incredible. It comes across as one of the more chaotic productions, Mm -hmm. and there were some really chaotic productions in the 80s. I, yeah, I do advise if people have Warriors of the Deep One, I do advise them to watch that documentary because all these anecdotes are a lot more funny than I'm than I'm recording them to be. (laughs) Watch, watch the ever brilliant DVD extras. Yes. Mm. yes, absolutely. It's the only time I've ever noticed a wobbly set, which is where the Mercury, <laughs> I think, is trying to burst in through, and it's meant to be a great big steel door, and it's just <laughs> it's it's bursting at the seams as as the prop pushes against it. Yeah, it's like, rubberized steel. Like Tegan's being crushed by this wall of <laughs> of polystyrene. So, <laughs> like, oh, we we can't we can't move it really, can't you? <laughs> That's the best thing about classic doctors. We've got these five characters struggling to lift this giant slab of polystyrene. Now that acting. It's so face it, so it's much. heavy. Um, so we'll move on and um. Uh, I, I've done a bit of listening recently, and I think Tim, you've listened to it too. Uh, Big Finish is the Silurian uh, Candidate, um, yes. Which, which is, it's from the cover. You'd assume it was a, a either a standalone Silurian story or a sequel to Doctor Who and the Silurians. It's actually a sequel to Worries of the Deep, mm-hmm. isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's a very loose sequel, but yeah, it, it's kind of uh, th- this was <laughs> this was their plan B in case their ingenious plan to run a Merca through a sea base wasn't going to work for them. <laughs> um, what did you think of it, Tim? So this, this episode does get this one does get a little flat, and think I I think I didn't think I liked it as I didn't I didn't sorry I didn't think I liked it that much. I listened, but on re-listening to it, I think I enjoyed it a bit more than I did the first time around because uh one so some of the things I do like about it, there is a lot of nice like the interplay between the Ace the Doctor and Mel is lots of fun and there's a really a fun scene at the beginning with Ace and Mel that sort of lampshades how the doctor became this suddenly became this master manipulator art between season 24 and 25 and and there's some a lot of really fun dialogue in the story i think my my main problem with it is that because it's a season well it's a later seven doctor story so the doctor is being shady and dubious and he has this plan in this in the episode which when Ace asked me about it, he just says, I'm going to give Earth to the sea devil, to the Silurian, then doesn't elaborate on that. And this, then it just sews distrust between Ace and him. And it's all for no reason, because he could have just told her what the plan was. And it's just sort of... And his, his plan wasn't to hand the Earth conf- over to them at all. It was to sort of tuck them in and put them back to bed and wake them up a bit later. Yeah, so that's when this humans came back from escaping the solar flares then the Solarians would be awake and they'd have to model through together um yeah it, it's quite a nice bit it's quite a nice use of continuity sort of well you know um the arc in space and all that sort of thing's going to happen so wake up after that and it'll be a bit better yeah. it's a nice idea um the doctor kind mm. of in manipulator mode, saying, no, you don't want to make peace with humans now, you want to make peace with them in a few thousand years. Um, but it's... There are little bits of it that just don't quite um, land with me. The, the main one being the uh, the sort of Trump parody. Oh. Uh, you know, a character sort of spending five minutes, ten minutes talking about is... how his hair's not a toupee. And then the cliffhanger is, his hair is a toupee, and he's got Silurian control nodes mm-hmm. underneath it. Donald Trump is controlled by the lizard people through his toupee. Yep. I could believe it. <laughs> oh, dear. But it, I have to admit, it's I, I've heard, you know, I've heard some very negative reviews about it, and its reputation... Mm-hmm is that it's not one of the best stories ever. It flew by for me. I, I enjoyed listening yeah. to it. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But one... the... Sorry, go on. Yeah, so one, cause like, one thing about it is it's very well-paced. Like, I think the worst thing a, do- a two-story can be is, or any story, is boring. And this audio thread, it is it's always making me feel one emotion or another. Yeah, it keeps moving. And it... it... I think it uses each of the regulars quite well. They've all kind of got a distinct thing to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I. And it's never going to be my favourite, but I certainly enjoyed re-listening to it. I think I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time round as well, actually. Yeah. And speaking of the regulars, this one idea of sense of how Mel about how you know, she's just here because the Doctor and Ace have become so warped that they don't know like how to properly care and stake show emotion and like it's a nice idea but it wasn't is it isn't really explored very well in this story or the other a smell audios which is a shame because i think it is quite an interesting one yeah i wish they'd played more into the Mel is slightly untrustworthy thing that it means the trilogy after that that kind of really picks up on that mm. um, which leads into Quantum Possibility Engine but mm. yeah there could have just been a little bit more and it, it's not really played into at all until that sort of latest at the point of recording latest trilogy to have them in um, mm. but yeah it's like I say I enjoyed it I'm glad I re-listened to it um, and it was it was a lot of fun, yeah. 
Um, so I'm just going to, we are running out of time, but I'm going to very quickly ask everybody, what else have you been listening to over the last few weeks? What releases have stood out or have you particularly enjoyed or that sort of thing? Uh, Jake, you go first. Oh, the thing that stuck out with, there's two things that stuck out to me this week, both for vastly different reasons. But the thing that I've enjoyed the most this week had to be the Outlaws. It was pure Outlaws slash the Miniaturist, but for some reason it's called the Outlaws. Don't ask me, I'm not big British. But that was just pure 60s Doctor Who. And I had such a whale of a time with it. I enjoyed the Miniaturist more, but I enjoyed both for vastly different reasons. I feel the Outlaws, in my opinion, captured the camp 60s historical runaround and then we had something a bit new with the miniaturist a two-part like in dark emotional sci-fi story which i thought was fantastic props to elizabeth miles and elizabeth hopley who did these two stories i thought they're both great and although i was a little bit hesitant of Stephen noonan at first during that youtube preview he had i think he was really good especially in the second story some some scenes I'll give him, he doesn't sound exactly like Hartnell, but when he hits it on the head, he sounds pretty damn close. But every first impression has, has room to expand in future sets, but I give that a solid 10 out of 10. And then yeah. I had the displeasure of listening to Doctor of War, which I found an enormous waste of time, and I don't think it was worth the hype that it was hyped up, but that but Outlaws really went above my expectations. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I, I agree. Outlaws was absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm looking forward to more First Doctor Adventures. I hope they announce many, many oh, more absolutely. very soon. Uh, Connor, what about you? Um, I was, I've been listening to the First Doctor Adventures as well. I, I, I wasn't that keen on the Outlaws, but I really loved the miniaturist. It was fantastic, and I really hope that's the sort of vibe they go for with that series in future. Um, I've also recently started uh, the Sixth Doctor and Charlie arc, which I'm two stories into now, I think. And those I've, I've I'd heard those two before. That's the Condemned and uh, the Doomwood Curse. I'd heard those before, so I'm actually as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go and start Brotherhood of the Daleks. And uh, get into a bit of new territory. Territory, sorry, with that uh, series. Tim, what about you? I haven't been listening to a whole lot. I have listened to Doom the Doom Coalition Four, the last set in that, and the soothing tones of Paul McGann's voice bring much pleasure. And yeah, there's some very there's of interesting ideas at play and that's i don't really have much to say about it but i, I think I, it was it was fun i enjoyed it i i do quite like i mean i think doom coalition's a brilliant run um i think it's probably the strongest eighth doctor run there's been since sort of his earlier adventures sort of that series that led into netherland um and i do particularly like that episode towards the end of it where they just kind of go let's just chuck the kitchen sink in let's have let's have weeping angels mm -hmm. let's have the 11 after him and let's have the monk there too because why not um and, and on paper it sounds like it should just be an hour of chaos but actually it works it's quite a fun little story and it's kind of a a, a nice little <clears throat> break before the you know the epic finale anyway um i think we have definitely run out of time at this point uh, but it has been fantastic podcasting with you guys we've got our first episode done uh, which is fantastic hey, woo. so yeah well done that's one down um, I'm looking forward to you all rejoining me at various points over the next sort of few weeks uh, we do have a ro rotating group of hosts so uh, but we're I'll the best um, yes. I, 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 you may think that I couldn't possibly comment um, but yes it's it's been fantastic recording with you guys I'm looking forward to us doing many many more um, we've not got any brand new TV Doctor Who to talk about for a little while but there's tons of big finish we can keep going with Redacted so yeah plenty to talk about 
So I will say goodbye to everybody and um, hope listeners at home have enjoyed it. It's our first one. So uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully you'll rejoin us for more. So yeah, goodbye everybody. Thank you very much. Bye bye. So long. Cheerio.